Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. I guess you're probably wondering how everything turned out. A bold, very public attack on a major contract holder's headquarters, leading to the abduction of said company's reborn CEO. Lest we forget that this was only the opening act and we quickly followed it up with a live fire chase through McGarris. One that ended, mind you, in a smoking heap of twisted metal up on the top of the break. Would you believe me if I said that nothing came of it? That the next morning arrived as morning's well. That the sun rose to the same heights it did the day before. And Neo-Atlantis grew one day older without much more than a hint that anything had occurred at home. Because that's exactly what happened. They put the trash in the bin, set out to fix the damage caused to the brake wall as nothing more than routine maintenance on a traffic accident. Hightower publicly apologised to Intercol in a news piece that most people surely didn't even pay attention to, token restitution at best. So, business as usual there. Credits passing back and forth from hand to hand, as they do. Not much more than a powdering of their noses while doing their best to cover up the shiner they received the night prior. We shan't dare for a moment forget what's most important to these vultures. That, of course, being that every day must be as predictable and formulaic as the one before. Just as surely as the rising sun. That's how they hold on to their contracts and get Big Daddy cracking spare change after all. That's not, however... It works here in Arcadia. Things don't get fixed on the whim of an algorithm's dispatch. We don't heal all our wounds over the course of a night, or what is now, I guess, multiple nights at this point. We're on our own here, shaking the pillars of the world, even if nobody feels them quake. World on fire and nobody even knows it. I watched her fall watch with my own eyes as Darby Bell tumbled off the hood of Evan's cab down to the waves below to no doubt be dashed against the brake wall for good measure. <laughs> and if that's so, why can't I shake the feeling that somehow, somehow it's not the last that I'll see of her? 
it's hard to explain, but I feel fucking tied to this to her, you know? Like, Neil Atlantis isn't done with either of us. <laughs> Would you listen to me? That, that's Revic talk, that is. Destiny this and fate that. But what if it's true? What if fate isn't what we make? All I know for sure is that there's no way of knowing the truth of it until a body washes up. So, I guess that brings me back to him then, doesn't it? To Revic. I went home after it was done to find that he didn't make it. It was Simon who brought the news of it to me. Simon who did what I couldn't do. <laughs> Let him go, that is. It took everything I had in me to not choke the life from the man. <laughs> I decided to get out of there instead, fast as my feet could take me. Been sleeping in hotels ever since, a woman without a home. Time's come, though. Pity party's over. Gotta face this thing head on. Figure it's unlikely to run its course without the help of some tequila and a whaling bartender. So I'll... I'm gonna stop there for now. I'm gonna keep this thing recording till I get to the albatross. I don't... Well, I suppose... I just don't want to be alone right now. Is this alright? The sun had fallen below the break wall, slipping into the sea only to rise once again more times than Johnny might have been aware of since her clash with Derby Bell. Life had continued to crash and swell, all the while fate had remained silent, waiting for her to catch up with an open hand. There was a cost to be paid, in all things you see, or so at least the common proverb stated, that Neo-Atlantis always takes its price. It often seemed true enough, the city, this new cradle to mankind, couldn't be a more patient observer to the many unsung events that might shake its foundation, all the while never forgetting, always holding its hand out to collect from those who should dare be so bold as to reach for the sun. I'm sorry, Miss Morgan. We were unable to transfer the remainder of your holdings to Haven. It would seem that they've cut us off, both in regards to your finances and your reputation. They even went as far as to publicly disavow your claim on the company, presenting another clone as the heir to the fortune of Intracol. You're officially an imposter. Dramatic, and of course completely expected. Predictability has been the board's sole virtue for over 50 years, and I'd have it no other way. We'll need to make do with what we have then, and that we might continue our little arrangement. I'd hate for my new position to be compromised by any resentment the founder should harbor. I don't think you have anything to worry about. The society remains content, and your membership is considered an overall gain for us. You remain in good standing. We do have a question, though. Oh? Do tell. Are these evening walks you like to take, what is the purpose? Your fellow council members don't understand why you insist on putting yourself in danger. We would strongly recommend once more that you at least consider taking some protection along with you. You mean, a spy? I'll keep that in mind. If you must know, I need to remind myself of where the cage begins and where it ends. That I didn't just elect for an exchange of prisons. Understand that my existence before now was propped up by gaslit half-truths and barriers constructed to contain me. Out here, there is no control. 
It is also a likelihood that my escape may have also given me a taste for danger. For the things that I cannot anticipate? I could do without the smells, though. This place is wretched and the people are unwashed. Acknowledged. I will communicate the sentiment to the interested parties. Don't bother. I've decided to revisit our little arrangement. It's a small thing, really, but I prefer assistants that haven't been compromised. Thank you for confirming my suspicions. Your services are no longer required. Huh? Wristwatches, time pieces. Come gaze upon a decadent luxury that has disappeared in the very mists that it seeks to represent. Excuse me. Could I interest a fine lady in a fine watch? Hollow technology has made the existence of the classic wristwatch impractical. A relic of days past. I say that sentiment just increases the allure of such an artifact. Be one of the first in a growing modern retro trend. Oh, please. I have enough redundancy in my life without such hardware weighing me down. Besides, I'm old enough to remember a time where we still used them. Though, even then it was mostly for fashion. When it was still in fashion. Well, you certainly don't look your age, miss. Perhaps I can interest you in something else then. You're still a Morgan, aren't you? I saw you in the news earlier today. They say you're an imposter. I'm certain they say even worse things behind closed doors. People do say the damnedest things when they've got their backs against the wall and some face to save. I get it. So, seeing as you're the real deal, I'll have to admit that I had ulterior motives when I came at you trying to sell you time. It's obvious in actuality. That you need something else that I just so happen to have behind this counter. With your permission, I'd like to make an offer. I find myself strangely interested. All right, let's get to the point. Loyalty. Smart loyalty, to be more precise. I couldn't help but overhear your call just now. You're in the market for a new assistant. And let me guess, you're the one to fill the position? A random street vendor? I'm sure I have a hundred applicants lined up already, and they haven't so much as cleaned the brains of my last assistant off the wall yet. But please, do entertain me. I wasn't always a street vendor, and life only recently torn away from me. I was a broker for the Gunrunners. Tucker Castile is the name. I'm sure you can find me blackballed in the registry still. Which means you can also see that I was quickly on my way to the top. Admittedly, before I got ahead of myself. Those other applicants you were talking about. They're bought and paid for already. They've been on the inside. Me? I put everything on the line for the gunrunners and got excommunicated for it. If you reinstate me, bring me back in. But this time, on the society's payroll. A second chance like that comes with a lot of loyalty. Well, that's certainly an intriguing, if not long-winded sell, Mr. Castile. Your technique needs a little work, but... That one. I'll take that wristwatch. And your loyalty as well. Presuming your story checks out, I'll have a flight car pick you up in an hour. Be ready. How long has it been? It's an answer I should know. Be able to recall events without having to resort to 
reliving the experience. But, just like everything else surrounding your disappearance, it doesn't add up. Five years. How could that time have passed so quickly? You saw me. A light in the darkness. In the deep. I must look farther this time. Despite the risks. Wayland closed his eyes as the painful memories began to resurface, feeling for the comfortable stability of the chair beneath him as his mind plunged into itself once again. The visions were as vivid and alive as they had been, yet quickly became fragmented and abstract. To his great frustration, his focus would always slip when arriving at this place, fast forward and rewind in on itself like a scattered dream. The girl's smile flashed before his mind's eye. This only served to trigger a rapid, involuntary flutter of his amphibious eyes as he gripped the seat of the chair in an attempt to steady himself. It did little good, as her laughter revisited a bolt of pain that echoed through his mind. They were teenagers then. He had been older than her by not more than a few years, but it didn't matter. She cared for him just as he'd protected her. They were both abandoned in this city, lashed together and marooned to this life. Her by a mother who cared more for ambition than for her flesh and blood. He by the world that had made him. An outsider, even among his own people. Forward. To the end. The last time we spoke. You're talking, but... But I can't make out what you're saying. Please... You said you had to go. Don't go. (laughs) His heart. No, no. My heart is... It's breaking. Oh, selfish. You only ever care about yourself. You're not even listening. I need to hear the words behind the waves. Not waves. Thoughts. Needs. Emotions boiling over. This is no time for abstractions. I... I don't want to be alone again. Steady yourself, Waylon. I... Please. Please don't leave me alone. It's so dark. You only ever cared for yourself. No. No. Move past your anger. You're fearing answers still. If only this time. If I can only focus on your words. What did you say to me? It was an impossibility, he reminded himself, as he lay on the ground, his chair having dumped him during his convulsion. One couldn't read himself the same way he might have read the world around him. It was too close to home. Each time he'd even tried, the pain would always inevitably become too much to handle. 
iteration upon iteration, attacking his mind in a kind of psychic feedback loop. It had damaged him. He'd hoped this time might have been different, that the lead Johnny had given him would have helped pull something new from the turmoil. What Alex had been trying to tell him those years ago, an idea of where they'd taken her, of who had taken her. I should never have stopped looking for you. Memories have degraded further than expected. I'll find you. While I still can. I promise. Ella had always appreciated the careful art of applying makeup, though she had little use for it on most days. In 2112, beauty was something one might be quick to take for granted. Perfection, or at least this week's version of it, was accessible and took on many forms. If you were unhappy with a flaw, it could be fixed. You could be rearranged. A quick trip to Megaris and New Atlantis had the answer to your problems, as long as you had the wealth to see it done. From nanotech implants that could change the color of your lips on command, to hair salons that offer a quick in-and-out procedure that might artificially accelerate hair growth before giving you a radically different styling. Vanity often enjoyed flirting with practicality in these times. There was an art to doing it yourself, though, she'd always thought, or perhaps just a satisfaction to it. She found it hard to pinpoint the origins of this uncharacteristic sentiment that she reserved for the only most social occasions, an anniversary, a celebration, or in this case, meeting someone special for the very first time. Upon completing the final, connecting stroke of her lip liner, she raised a hand to a hollow interface to scan available club listings for the evening. Hey Evan, what do you think, Boulevard or The Cage? I'm trying to make a reservation. If you're even listening to me... Oh, it must be nice, Ella. It must just be so nice getting to go out on a date while I'm stuck here with a gut wound. I really hope you have great fun out there. Don't be a baby, Evan. You're doing so much better. You'll be up and annoying the world again soon. Promise. Besides, I've got to get out of here for a bit. Now come on, grab my hand. It's time for a quick walk around the apartment. Ugh, do I have to? Doctor's orders. Oh, 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 man. So, first date, huh? Yeah? How'd you guess? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, makeup is a dead giveaway, which you don't need, you know. I mean, you look fine as it is. Speaking of, what happened to that guy from a couple months back, anyway? What's his name? Uh, Jake Jackson. Jackson? Something. Ugh, major creep. Besides, we got busy with Johnny, and there's basically no way I can keep up on my dating life while we're taking on Neo-Atlantis together. Good point. And probably why you're the one walking me around this room right now. We just keep getting in deeper, don't we? <laughs> like, just a few months ago, we're the help. Now we're taking jobs for the Albatross. Or, we will, as soon as I get over this. Just a few more days and another visit to the Quick Fix. Then you can pay me back. Pay you back? For what? Oh, I don't know. Ella, can you get me a Joy Riddle? 
Ella, have you seen my Mortality 6 quick disc? Seriously, Mortality hasn't been good since 4. You take that back. Besides, I'd do the same for you if the shoe was on the other foot. <laughs> ow, ow, ow. Here we go again with the shoe is on the other foot. At least you used it right this time. All right, all right, I can't. I, okay, that's enough of this. Please, I... Oh, come to me. Come to me, sweet recliner. So, who's the date, and do I get to meet them this time? Her name's Wendy, and as if I'd let you come anywhere near her. I want to show off the best of me before I let her see the worst. Ouch! Insensitive much? Newsflash, a guy's got feelings. <laughs> Whatever. Outrage is such a good look on you right now, Evan. Oh, date's here. Gotta go. I'll be back in a little while, okay? Don't do anything... Well, you, while I'm gone, okay? Oh, hey, it's the sequel to Insensitive. Insensitive 2. Bad friend, harder. My favorite. Like, what am I even gonna do? I'm stuck on this boring but insanely comfortable chair couch thing. Recliner, you know the right word for it. You said it like a minute ago. And, oh, I don't know. Uh, remember when you tried to escape the other day to get takeout? Need I remind you that you're not supposed to eat that junk until you're healed, which includes those joy riddles you keep asking for. Look, I had a craving, and the only cure for it was Uncle Tao's noodles. You take all the fun out of being mortally wounded, you know. You are insufferable. <laughs> there is something seriously wrong with us. Alright, can you maybe get out of here already? Don't you have some place to be? Whatever. Bye, Evan. So it was that the doors of the albatross were flung open again, just as they had been many times before now. The bar was nearly empty, as she might have expected, save for a few regulars conducting their business privately under the safety of the hub's roof. Johnny lingered there in the entrance for a moment, stuck in place as her eyes reached for Nick's and were in turn met with a knowing sympathy. She felt it sinking in then, like ivy creeping under her flesh to slide around her bones. That thing she'd been carefully avoiding since the job had finished. The price that had to be paid. Sliding her hand to her belt, she clicked off the large circular button on her recorder as the grief set into her throat. She could only close her eyes tightly in an effort to stave off the flood of emotion, swallowing hard before daring to open them again. Vision was at least kind enough to reveal that Nick Ballard was already mixing her favorite drink in advance of what he knew was coming his way. Come on over, Johnny. I was wondering when you'd wash up again. I won't lie. That's been a process. Need some time, you know. That job took a lot of me along with it. Sabbard! Eh, drink up. It's on the ass. Nick had finished pouring the mix into its smoked glass before placing it in front of the murk with a nod. He placed next to it a small case of chips, the one she'd earned for pulling off the Morgan job. The air stood tense with reluctance as Johnny's touch lingered upon the surface of the glass before she was finally ready to meet his sturdy gaze again. Who do I know when it's too much? What do 
what do I even do now that it's over? I feel like I'm that lost little girl I was 12 years ago all over again. Left alone in this city with no family to call my own. Poorer than I started off despite the chips I've earned. He was. <sighs> Revik was all I had. He didn't have to protect me. Didn't need to let me stay with him all those years ago, but he did. And I suppose that generosity would cost him his life in the end. That's not entirely fair to either you or him, is it? That old bot was the better for having you in his life. Why, well, I see it. He needed someone just as much as you did. Neither of you had any family here. Well, the hard truth of it is that his kind don't even get families to begin with. You were a gift to each other. You'll always have that. You said I was a gift to him? No, no, I was a curse, Nick. Did you know it was me that cost him his shell in the first place? That he promised to return to the spot he'd found me at every day to look for my mother, and that he actually did that, kept his word. Did it until some fuckhead drunk ran him over with his freight truck, crushed his body beneath the wheels, and oh, well, he can always get a new one, they said. That was me, Nick. That was me that did that to him, and now he's dead and I did that too. Did you know that even without half of the body attached, he tried to crawl out again the next day until I made him promise not to do so again? All that for a mother I damn well knew had died up there on the break. Well, did you know that? And I didn't even tell him that I loved him for it. No. I suppose I didn't know that. Well, now you do, so cheers to that, I guess. The kicker is that right after I lose him, fate swings it around on me again. Has me fight to the death on top of the very wall I lost my folks on. <laughs> to top it off, I got to stand by and watch as the woman who killed Revek almost took my friends from me too. Friends that came back for me. Saved my life even after I blamed them for what happened in the first place. All up on that break wall. But they didn't. They didn't die, did they? I heard back from Ella myself just yesterday. Evans to make a full recovery by the weekend. They're already scanning for work. <laughs> oh, the little rascals. Figured I'd give them their safe, small stuff for a while. But it's fate talk. Be imagining that something bigger than us is looming over you, ready to take whatever happiness you can make and drag it back into the sea. It'll kill you quicker than anything else can. Grieve the old bot if you like. Get it out of your system. I'm here for you on that till the end. But as to that song and dance, between you and Lucy, I've heard enough of fate and karma for a lifetime. It's rubbish, Johnny. Rubbish, I said. I'm not so sure about that anymore, to be honest with you. It played out the way he said it would, it did. He warned me to not go off and fight her. Told me not to slap at the hands of destiny. But I didn't listen him for what? More pain? What am I going to do with the what-ifs I'm left holding now? With all this guilt? I suppose you're going to do what the rest of us mere mortals do with it all. You're going to drink it up, swallow it down and wash it away. You'll consider the good times, Johnny, as well as the bad. You'll remember that you can't change a bloody thing. There's no way to make something right when it's so damn wrong. Other than reaching the decision to just... Carry on, and do the best you damn well can. That a girl. Another? Please. You got it. Coming right up. So, 
I uh, haven't heard you mention Lucy in some time. Is everything all right? She got out of the business. It's a long story, really. If we could all be so lucky as to pick our time, right? <laughs> I suppose. <sighs> Look, I'd be lying if I tried to tell you that it isn't going to keep hurting. It is. You're going to dwell on it. Those tears you're sucking up going to get out one way or another. All the while, people are going to tell you that it'll get better with time. But it won't. It'll just become different. Like when a wound becomes a scar. Any two-bit merc in the business knows that your scars are what tell your story. What they don't tell you is that it's usually not the physical ones that tell the truth of it. Here, I... When my own father died, back when I was a boy, they read this at his funeral. It's a poem called praise of a man. I'll scan it over to your holler now. Well, I want you to go over there to your table. Take that drink with you and read it. It will help. Besides, I think it suits your dad better than it did mine. Well, I'll do that. I think it's best I'd be left alone for a while anyway now. Eh, you're probably right. Let me know if you need anything. Right, thanks, Nick. I mean it. Sarah, can't rain all the time, right? You've got the right of it, Johnny. It can't rain all the time. She took a seat at a booth, her favourite seat in the house. Those familiar weathered tables, the long Duraplast benches, they were eclipsed by a window that illuminated the table with a soft blue glow. The rain outside surged against the glass, making it feel like a porthole in the hull of a ship when holding against the downpour. Placing the glass on the table, Johnny called up the menu for her holocom, holding her breath still as she opened the poem Nick had forwarded to her while reaching down for the worn button on her recorder. He went through a company like a lamplighter. See the dull nights one after another begin to glow to shed a beneficent light. You have been listening to the season finale of Cybernautica Breakwall, brought to you by Red Fathom Entertainment. My name's Damien, I'm the writer and producer of Cybernautica, And this, of course, is where you'd usually find your standard canned outro, but not this time. We've come a long way together since we launched the show back in January of 2019, so before we roll the credits, I want to talk to you about the future. Though we're currently not sure when we'll be back for Season 2, you can be sure that it'll be sooner rather than later. Between then and now, you'll have multiple things to watch out for. One of those things will be a roundtable between myself and as much of the cast as we can manage to bring together, time zones permitting, as we record remotely so our cast is all over the world. We'll be talking about the season, the story, the characters, and answering your questions as well. In addition to said round table, we're currently working on a standalone miniseries by a guest writer and friend of the show to help keep you sated while you're waiting on the next season of the show. In the meantime, you can keep up to date on all of this and more by signing up for our free No Spam newsletter which you can easily find on our site, www.cybernauticapod.com. 
and while we're hoping to fund many of Season 2's upfront expenses via a GoFundMe campaign, Season 1 wouldn't have been possible without our patrons, who along with merch sales, have been our sole income, keeping our voice actors paid. So thank you, and forgive me if I say any of these names wrong, because I'm awful honestly. In alphabetical order, Artemidge, Riot Blue's own Blue Eyes and Lilith, Bryce Lynch, Psychotron, Eric Dimage, Joel DePippa, L. Henderson, Mark Durham, or Durheim, Matthew Smith, Scrimerva, Michael Wagebrand, Mimi Liu, Roman Weber, Sarah Lausen, Scott Starks, Sean M., Teslin Kieranhawk, and Ziggy the Shadowrunning Troll Philosopher. Our Patreon will still be active during our downtime as Crow's Guide to Neo Atlantis, our in-universe informational shorts, will continue to be released until we run through all the factions. So if you want to contribute to the present and the future of the show, that'll remain a great place to do so. And last, but certainly not least, I'd like to take a moment to thank our full cast and crew by order of appearance this season. From the beginning, then. Breakwall featured Travis Story and Madeline Darrow as the rookie duo Evan and Ella, the one and only Abigail Turner, as our lead gun-for-hire, Johnny, with Dan Bowd contributing his talents as narrator and voice of Neo-Atlantis. Alexander Dottie gives life to the ever-steady Nick Ballard, while Aubrey Poppleton lifts up the troubled gunrunner, Tucker Castile. A voice from the past finds its way to a troubled mind in Amy Newark's Olivia. Luke Alfonso invokes the waking memory of psychic detective Waylon, and Forenza hones a killer's edge as the assassin, Derby Bell. Damien Sidlow casts himself as the fatherly and fatalistic android Revic, while Veronica Pierce becomes a disjointed stack of memories that come together as the clone of Estella Morgan. All the while behind the scenes, our script editor Jupiter Sanders keeps things coherent and sane. And we couldn't have done it alone either. Our many guests have helped bring things together, and I'm going to try to thank them all here as well. So thank you to Chris Henry, Oscar Oz Russo, O.C. Opti Presley, Sarah Ray Werner, A.R. Olivieri, Amanda Hufford, Bobby Frankenberger, Scrimerva, Max Shepard, and just this final episode, Bonnie Bogovich. We hope you've enjoyed your time in Neo-Atlantis. And now that our first season is at an end, We'd love it if you'd please tell the world what you think by leaving a review on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts or anywhere, really. Reviews and ratings, along with your listening to our show, are truly the lifeblood of indie podcasters everywhere. Thank you for listening. And I guess it's time to get to work on Season 2. And I guess we'll see you guys at the round table. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Are you emotionally exhausted? Do you have strong feelings about authoritarian power structures? Have you ever stared up at the night sky and felt tiny and alone? If so, ask your doctor about Wolf 359, the award-winning sci-fi audio fiction podcast by Kinda Evil Genius Productions. Side effects may include strange genetic experiments, unreliable AI systems, the potential discovery of alien life, and toothpaste. Find Wolf 359 wherever you listen to podcasts and visit wolf359.fm to learn more.